to mask or not to mask? At many suburban schools, the answer is a complicated mask optional. And after an Illinois court ruling last night, those policies are allowed to remain in place. Here's what a few students at Hersey High in Arlington Heights had to say about the mask optional policy at their school earlier this week. Every day, less people wear masks, and it makes me a little nervous because my grandma is sick at the moment, and, like, I don't want to get her sick. I've been wearing a mask. Baseball's coming up. Don't want to miss time for that. If I am forced to, I will wear it. I won't complain, but now that we have the opportunity not to wear them, I just won't wear them. Whatever happens, I guess I just hope that people will respect other people and what they choose to do. We kick off the show today with a school superintendent who's still requiring masks. Mike Lubelfeld runs North Shore School District 112, which includes Highland Park, Highwood, and Fort Sheridan. Hi, Superintendent. Welcome back. Good morning. It's great to be back. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Also here is WBEZ education reporter Susie On. Hey, Susie. Hey, Sasha. And after a uh, downstate is ruling two weeks ago, many districts decided to go math optional, but not others. Why not? I'm sorry. Can you quickly repeat the question? I apologize. It cut out. Why did you decide not to go mask optional? Okay. Thank you so much. So in District 112, we have a layered mitigation approach, and we've been operating under the governor's executive order, which until you know a few hours ago was in full force. And we are going to have a school board meeting Tuesday night, and I informed our community that my recommendation at that meeting will be to discuss an amended uh, uh, approach, and I'm going to be recommending a mask optional pivot for all people, students, staff, and visitors, beginning February 23rd, 2022. So that ruling last night, does that change the calculus for you at all? The ruling last night, you know, like everything else, has an interesting impact. As a former social studies teacher, I really do enjoy seeing all three branches of our government getting involved. Um, That was the specific legal authority on which we required masks. And now that that legal authority is gone, in addition to significantly falling COVID rates in our area, and in addition to some educational concerns, I'm very comfortable moving forward with this recommendation and last night's ruling simply supports that move in my opinion well i'm curious how much pushback have you gotten from parents about the masking policies well it's interesting so far i've received 43 emails in support of the mask mandate change and i've received 29 emails in opposition now i will say that that is not you know a scientific poll and i don't know if that reflects the community i will say People communicate with me all the time, and I will say the feelings on both sides of this issue are so strong, and I think it really is a statement and a reflection of society. Um, One of the tough challenges as a superintendent is, you know, I'm not really um, leading for popularity, and I'm certainly not leading based upon public opinion. It's essential to know what people are thinking, but at the end of the day, I've got to make recommendations to the board on behalf of the 4,000 students I serve and 550 um, staff. So the, the short answer is people are mixed in their opinions. Well, as we know, Superintendent, the governor is set to loosen masking rules for many indoor spaces at the end of the month, February 28th, which is coming up. Dropping masks in schools could also follow shortly after that. So how do you feel about that prospect? 
Well, I do hope that uh, the Board of Education in my school district uh, votes to accept my recommendation Tuesday night uh, so that we're mask optional on February 23rd ahead of the governor's um, statewide ruling. Um, one quick fact, in Lake County, where, where my school district is located, January 12th, we had um, thousands of cases, okay, about 1,268 new cases, January 12th, for example. On February 15th, there was 169 cases. The cases are dropping. The peak has passed. Other for us to move, like Dr. Azike said, to coexist with COVID. Restrictive mandates that continue to polarize folks and and remove options have not had a positive sustaining effect, and it's time for us to move forward like um, the data showing, the data supporting. Susie, let's bring you in here. Tell us more about the ruling that came down last night. It's seen as a major blow to Prisker's efforts to require masks in schools. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, the appellate court pointed out that uh, IDPH and ISB's emergency rules regarding COVID mitigations in schools had expired last weekend. And so when IDPH went before a legislative committee on rules to renew those mandates, uh, the, the committee voted it down. And so then the court, the appellate court, um, said it dismisses the governor's appeal because the expiration of those rules rendered the appeal moot. Um, and, and you know, they're saying that that kind of gives the executive order of uh, the governor less power. Um, and, and the court also mentioned, you know, we were talking about, um, the superintendent was talking about um, the falling cases. Um, the court also mentioned that with changing COVID case numbers, it's unclear if those COVID rules are, are likely to be reinstated. Um, so, and then I, I will also mention the court also pointed out that, that schools can create their own COVID policies. Um, so, you know, that's why we're kind of seeing uh, differences um, across the state. Mm. Well, you've been following, you know, how the districts around the, the region are handling everything over the past few weeks. How many districts have actually gone mask optional? I don't know the exact number, but but we've heard from one of the major teachers unions in the state that, um, that more than 500 districts have gone mask optional. Um, and then, of course, larger districts like CPS continue to require masks. Well, what are you hearing from parents and, and the students themselves? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, you know, the, the superintendent's um, district is sort of a good case study of it. I mean, it's sort of a mix. You know, there are parents and students who feel um, that that this that this uh, decision from the appellate court kind of further validates their feeling that they have the right to go without a mask. Um, but for others, it's still a big concern for them. Um, you know, while numbers are trending down, people are still getting COVID. And, and that can be scary for some students who don't necessarily feel safe in very crowded hallways. Um, and, and then I've heard, you know, at some schools, not all schools, of course, but um, some students have reported feeling bullied because they chose to wear a mask at their school that was mask optional. Now, that's not at every school. Um, and, and this is something that... Um, you know, districts are, are taking a look at and, and are trying to, you know, calm um, just this frenzy right now. Yeah, it sounds chaotic. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we're talking with WBEZ education reporter Susie Ahn, as well as North Shore District 112 Superintendent Mike Lubelfeld about schools and masks. Some districts like the Chicago Public Schools and District 112, they're requiring masks. Many others have gone mask optional. Superintendent, let's talk again about the challenges. You you touched on this earlier, but 
What would you say is the biggest challenge when it comes to trying to enforce a masking policy in your district? Well, I will tell you, it it has worked, and we're very proud to have in-person learning, you know, every day this school year. But at some point, we we have to pivot and we have to transition. And I think what's going on now is people have a number of strong opinions, but also the data is teasing out that a requirement to wear masks all the time indoors may simply be overdoing it. And we're looking around at the rest of the state, as you mentioned, um, and Susie mentioned, over 500, possibly 600 districts are already mask optional. You're also seeing um, mask mask requirements loosening up all over the country. The reality is COVID case counts are dropping. Vaccination rates are in my area are improving. And it's time for us to move beyond restrictions and no freedom of choice to an arena where folks have freedom to continue masking should they choose to and to not if they don't want to. It's been a huge challenge, a great deal of stress, very conflicting governance from the executive, legislative and judicial branches. And it's been incredibly stressful on superintendents, including myself. Yeah. How how did you arrive at the decision to to sort of shift your mindset when it comes to masks? Because you were requiring them, but now it sounds like you're more open to giving students a choice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Part of it is the legal landscape. Part of it is the significant. When I say drop in cases, I mean it's plummeting. Part of it is the fact that we test thousands of kids every week and we have barely any cases. Our individual cases have been dropping. Uh, The number of children excluded from school due to COVID is 21 uh, today out of nearly 3,800 students. So it's time for us, and I've mentioned since the beginning, we're going to pivot, we're going to adapt, and we're going to change. This is a major change that I believe in my professional opinion and the needs of the educational and social-emotional experiences of our children and staff, it's time for us to move and adapt as we evolve in our living with COVID-19. Over the uh, past few weeks, we've seen some student walkouts over the mask rules, mostly in the high schools. Have you seen anything like that in your district? No. So far, we have not. Um, I've been informed at one of our schools when I announced this uh, earlier this week, the the proposed recommendation, a parent did reach out and say that his um, middle school uh, daughter was considering a walkout, um, but no one has approached us formally. Um, The students, again, like the families, are mixed in how they're feeling about this. Some folks are very anxious and fearful. Others are ready. Others really have a hard time wearing masks indoors, and it is impeding their social cues, their nonverbal communication development, and in some cases, behavior. Susie, one of the more surprising stories out of Springfield this week was that uh, some Democratic state lawmakers, they sided with Republicans in uh, barring the governor from reintroducing his mask mandate for schools. What do you think that that suggests about the headwinds that the governor is up against here? Oh, yeah. I mean, that that was definitely a, a major obstacle. Um, he There's a lot of pressure, and he's up against a lot. I mean, the governor is looking to, to get this case before the state Supreme Court, um, which is generally more favorable toward the state. But, of course, you know, in this case, definitely not a guarantee. Um but in the, the meantime, you know, the, the governor's office issued a statement um, in response to the appellate court decision. And, uh, you know, of course, he's disappointed and he's still asking everyone to continue masking up 
uh, in schools. Yeah. Superintendent, you've said in the past that you're neither a lawyer nor an epidemiologist, right? But you, you've been forced to be both in recent months. Talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. I, I have a degrees in education. I don't have a law degree yet. I'm expected and challenged to understand the difference between an executive order, a temporary restraining order, an appellate court ruling. Yes, of course, we have excellent legal counsel, but you know, people like myself are thrust in this uh, having to figure out and navigate and landscape legal issues when that's not our preparation. In addition, public health metrics really haven't been updated or changed in over a year. And the public health experts were great about helping us figure out how to navigate remote learning and hybrid last year, when to be and when to not. And all of a sudden we've been in person continuously um, for months and months. There's no metrics. So now we're supposed to interpret the impact of public health. Um, you know, it's, it's really not fair. And people have not been agile or responsive enough, in, in my opinion, with respect, obviously, to their challenges, too. Um, and it's really put us at a disadvantage. And it's also pitted district against district, community against community, school board against school board. Mm-hmm. It's, te- it's been terribly, terribly divisive. And it's been emotionally draining. And I just think that um, if we have another pandemic, hopefully we don't, but if we have another pandemic, um, you know, people need to lead clearer, crisper, and better, quite frankly. Are you in touch with your counterparts in other districts in the in the area? What are they saying? <laughs> I'll say daily, hourly, and more frequently. Yes, yes, yes. We all, a superintendent works for uh, seven people. I work for seven elected board members who operate as one unit. It's a pretty cool but really complex governance structure. We absolutely care about parental input. Don't get me wrong. We care about student voice and teacher voice, too. Don't get me wrong. But the board governs the district, and the superintendent executes policy. So it's not um, public opinion that sways us. It's not a majority vote uh, that, 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 that sways us. Each of us has a different board, and each board has different expectations for us. And each of us does have a different community with different um, desires. So the fact that we've got 853 school districts in Illinois uh, just creates more divisiveness and more uh, disparity. But we all talk to each other, try to make decisions together when we can. We're all there together. Um, But we have different variables. And the calculus of this decision-making has been very complicated and very confusing. Well, so much in this pandemic continues to change. As you just mentioned, it's all very confusing. We know about COVID fatigue as well, Superintendent. Tell us the mood in schools right now. Well, luckily, teachers are heroes and miracle workers, okay? They are just amazing, and they do everything they can to shield the kiddos from some of the political stuff and some of the controversy. So the mood in schools um, is mostly good because our teachers are amazing all over the place. Um, we have to, in my opinion, my professional opinion, uh, 29 years in, in this business and 12 years as superintendent, we need to go from having schools where there's an aura to schools where there's an aura of joy. And I think we need to bring back joy. And part of that is removing certain conditions that make you feel like you're in a medical situation or, or something. So that, that's, that's kind of where I'm, I'm, I'm at mentally right now. We've been speaking with North Shore District 112 Superintendent Mike Lubelfeld and WBEZ education reporter Susie Ahn. Susie, Superintendent, thank you so much. 
Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.